How are you doing tonight? Are you fabulous, fantastic, awesome, wonderful? All of the above. Are you the healed? Are you free? Amen. Praise God. Uh, Before we get into the message tonight, Pastor, thank you for, number one, allowing us to minister. We appreciate uh, you allowing us to do that. But I just wanted to commend our baseball team last night. (laughs) Amen. They played like a team. Amen. And they skunked their opponents. Amen. Did an awesome job. Praise God. Amen. That's the way we're supposed to act as the body of Christ. I know we're playing somebody else as the body of Christ, but we we just happen to be just a little bit more together. Amen. Praise God. It was it was awesome to watch. Amen. I, I just think the Lord is so awesome. You know, we're, we've been talking about uncommon, and there, there is nothing about the Lord that is common. He, everything about him, everything that he did, everything that God did from the very beginning, he said, let there be, and there just was. How many of you know that's just not normal in the natural? It's just not normal in the natural, but it is in the supernatural. It's normal. And so the, the first time that I, I shared uh, when we were on this particular topic, I, I called the title of it, Uncommon, the norm of the day. And tonight I'm going to minister uncommon, the norm of today, part two. (laughs) Part one was on February the 10th. So if you didn't get that, you can get that and get part one. Uh, You're not going to miss anything because this part, we're going to pick up some supernatural things that happened in the New Testament Area We talked about Old Testament last time. We're going to talk about New Testament this time. But I want us to get it uh, in, in our thinking so that God is wanting to do things uncommon in our lives. I'm going to give you a scripture tonight. If you would, please, just turn there. Give it to you here. John chapter 14. Starting at verse number 12, John 14, 12. He says, this is in the King James Version. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Say, that's me. That's me. He said, shall I do also. Well, if I'm going to do the uncommon, then I'm going to have to have the anointing to do that. Because the anointing is where it comes into play. Jesus was anointed to be able to do what he did. He didn't just do that by himself. When he was a young lad, even though he was perfect, he made absolutely no mistakes. There was no flaws in him. He he did no miracles whatsoever. Until he was anointed. When he was anointed in the Jordan River by John the Baptist, when he came up out of that water, he came out, came out a different man. When the anointing hits and moves in your life, when you allow the Holy Spirit of God to come in, into your life and to reign and to rule there, he will bring about a supernatural surge in your life. And you will go about, you'll lay hands on the sick, and they'll recover. It didn't say, I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. It did not say lay hands on the sick and pray. Although there are plenty of scriptures that says we can pray. But he said lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Just the anointing. Just the anointing that's in your life. When you have a point of contract and transmission of that anointing that's in you, it will literally change the circumstances in people's lives. And that's what happened with Jesus. The first example I'm going to give you tonight, I'm going to show you where he just, all he did was touch something. 
He didn't say anything. He just touched it. And the whole thing changed. God anointed him with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good. And healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Because God was with him. Well, how many of you believe that God is with you? He is with you. To will and let him will, let, let your will be submitted to his will, to will and to do of his good pleasure. Well, what is his good pleasure? It's to heal the sick, cause the blind to see, the lame to walk, the, the dumb to talk, the deaf to hear, the diseased to be set free, the bound to be loosed and set free. That's his desire. We already know that. That's what should be the norm in the church. The church should be on fire and burning with the Spirit of God. Amen? Not, we should be in revival, not believing for revival. We should be in revival so that we can bring about what God is wanting to do. He wants to bring change. He wants to change us first. He's dealing with the church right now. He's doing things in the background. He's trying to get things in order because he's, he's ready to come. He's just trying to get his church to be ready so that he, we will bring him back. We're going to usher the Lord back. But we're going to be a church that's together. We're going to be a church without spot. We're going to be without wrinkle. We're going to be without blemish. We're going to have pure love. The God kind of love, the kind of love that looks beyond and sees a need, does not look and see fault, but sees need. He said, I will do also in greater works than these shall you do because I go unto the Father, my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name. That will I do. Whatever things that you ask in my name, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask, you shall ask anything in my name. What would you think the definition of anything would be? Anything. That's kind of like the definition of all. All is just all. De definition of anything is anything. Anything that you shall ask in my name, I will do it. I will do it. He said, I will do it. Not you will do it. He said, I will do it. I will do it. But he's going to do it through you. You are his vessel. You are the channel that he is using to get the job done. You are his arms. You're his legs. You're his eyes. Uh, you're his mouth. You're, you're everything that is necessary for him to be able to flow through. How many of you know that Jesus was just one man, could be at one place at one time while he was here? And he did marvelous things, so many things that they didn't have enough books to record it all. So I can just imagine what his day must have been like. He was one busy human being. He was busy about the father's business. He couldn't help himself. He said, I've got to do that. I've got to do that. You know, when I think about Jesus going to Calvary and everything else, I mean, it looks like a, a really sad story, but it really isn't. It's a, it's a victorious story. How many of you know he comes out of the grave? He knew he was going to the grave. He knew he was going to be punished. He knew what the scripture said concerning his life. He knew he was going to be beaten. But he did all of that for you so that you would not have to suffer from it. It's a beautiful story of a man that laid down his life for humanity. No other man has ever done that. Hare Krishna didn't do it. Buddha didn't do it. Sun Young Moon didn't do it. 
All the isms and all the chisms. They didn't do it. Jesus is the only one. That's the reason he can honestly say, I am the way. I am the truth. Not a truth. I am the truth. And I'm the life. No man's going to come to the Father but by me. See, he was uncommon. That's the reason the devil couldn't stand it. The devil just, he, he's, he's just not sharp at all. He really isn't. Because he said to himself, if I knew, if I'd have known that killing him was going to bring about the kind of results that it brought about, this would have never happened. So he doesn't have revelation of the scripture. He may be able to quote scripture. And I want to be just as bold as to say this. Sometimes that's what a lot of Christians do is they just quote it. They don't really know it. Never forget, I'd been spirit filled for just a short period of time. We had moved to Houston, Texas, and uh, we got hooked up with... uh, uh, a Southern Baptist church there. The pastor was a great pastor. He was preaching on the move of the spirit and everything else, but he might've been spirit filled, but the rest of his church was not spirit filled. It was a pretty good sized church, but I never will forget. They were talking about going out and witnessing and sharing and, and, uh, uh, that just sounded right down my alley to, uh, just in the beginning, I was excited. I was charged. I was ready. Uh, to just go about and do whatever needs to be done. But I didn't have a lot of word in me. I just had a desire to be used. And so I went downtown, middle of downtown Houston. I don't know if you know where the, like the circle is downtown, but that's where everybody gathers. Uh, every, every type of person you can think of gathers there. All kinds of negative things go on. Anyway, I'd go down there witnessing, sharing the word as much as I knew. I had a little what they called a, a, a pocket New Testament. And I'd carry it in my pocket, and it had what they called the Romans Road in it. And it was, all, it was all laid out for you. All you had to do was open it up and just follow what it said. And you could lead somebody to the Lord that way. So I did that. And, but anyway, I met a Satan worshiper. And uh, I started witnessing to him and everything else. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute. He said, "Um, let me tell you about Satan. And I said, well, I'm not really interested in listening to Satan, hearing anything about him. He said, well, I'm not really interested in listening to anything you have to say about Jesus either. He said, but I gave you a few minutes opportunity you didn't convince me. He said, well, let me tell you about my, my God. And he opened up his Bible, a black Bible. I mean black, dark. And in that satanic pages, he began to talk about Satan. And Satan was doing all the things that I'd heard my preacher my pastor preached about that Jesus did. And he said, oh, no. And I told him that. I said, that sounds like Jesus. He said, no, 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 no. Y'all have got the story confused. He said, it was Satan that did all this. And he went on and started going through it and everything else. And I was getting a little bit discouraged because I didn't have a good founding. I was spirit-filled, but I didn't have a good founding on the word of God. And he went through and he shared all this stuff. And finally he looked at me and he said, he says, you know what? You're the typical Christian. I said, what do you mean by that? He says, you don't even know what you're talking about. He says, you don't have a clue what you're talking about. I said, you're absolutely correct. I don't. I'm new in the Lord, filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, well, you hadn't done a thing for me. He said, I think I'll just continue to serve the one I'm serving. And it made me so mad. 
I went and got my car. I went home, cried most of the way home because I felt like I was a disappointment to the Lord. And the Holy Ghost said to me, he said, weep not. He said, you've just started. You're just a babe. Strong meat belongs to those that are mature. He said, just gird yourself back up, get into the word and build yourself up in the Holy Ghost and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the truth. Because what I was sharing was what my pastor was preaching from the pulpit. That's what the seven sons of Sceva did. They got whipped because they lost sight of who Jesus was. They were preaching what somebody else was preaching. How many of you know you are unique? You are unique containers. You have the ability to flow in the Holy Ghost... If, you, if you've accepted Jesus as your personal Savior and you've received the Holy Spirit into your life, you've invited Him into your life to take control, He will, but how many of you know it comes little by little, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. So I said this, I'm not going back out on the streets again until I know what I'm talking about. That I know Him. And I know the power of his resurrection, not just what the preacher is saying from the pulpit, which was good, but it wasn't revelation. And it needs to be revelation. And that's what he's saying here. He says, verily, verily, I say unto you. He said, not only will you do the things that I have done, but you will do far greater. He said, you've got to come by the same pattern, the same method I did. How did Jesus get the revelation knowledge that he had concerning what he was to be and what he was to do? By spending time with the Father. Remember, he said, I must be about the Father's business. So he must have had to spend time with Father to find out what Father wanted done. You and I have to spend time with the Father. In other, in other words, for us to be uncommon, for it to be the norm for your life and my life, I have got to spend time with the Lord. So that he can fill me up so that I can go out and spill out and then come back in and get filled up. The house of God was not designed for the lost. It was designed for the saved so that they could come to the filling station and get filled up. And then on the sideline during the week, you can go and get praying the Holy Ghost and get built up on your most holy faith by praying in the spirit, staying full all the time to the place where you op start operating out of the overflow. You never let yourself get half empty. You keep yourself filled up all the time on a day-by-day -day basis. Paul said, I die daily. That's what he meant. He said, I'm giving up my life in place of his life so that I can be the container that I need to be for God. And that's what you and I need to be. So that he could glorify, to be glorified in the Son, if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. How many of you have confidence that whenever you go out, that you can ask anything and he'll do it for you? I mean, real confidence. Well, I want you to know the next time I went out, man, I was fit for bear. I mean, I was ready. I was on ready. I, I knew the word. I didn't know all the word, but I knew enough word to get me out there on the street. I knew John three sixteen. I knew the Romans road. I didn't have to go take my little New, uh, New Testament, you know, with me. I, it was in my heart. And when I got out on the street, I started sharing relationship. It wasn't just that I was quoting scripture. I was sharing relationship. I now had a relationship with the Lord because I had spent time with the Lord. And that's what Jesus did. He said, not only will you do the things I've done, the preparation is there for me to get myself positioned so that I can be an, an, an uncommon individual. 
So that the greater one can flow through you and he can flow through me. So that when we lay hands on the sick, we don't have to see them recover. We know they're going to recover. Because we are doing it in the name of the Lord. And that's what he said to do. Lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. Not maybe they'll recover. We hope that they recover. Three poems in a prayer. Three Hail Marys, whatever. But we know because our Redeemer liveth. I want to read to you out of the Passion. He said, I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do. Even greater miracles than these because I go uh, to be with my Father. For I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me in my name. And that is how the Son will show what the Father is really like and bring glory to Him. Ask me anything in my name and I will do it for you. He said, I'll do it for you. Why? Because now I've become a yielded vessel, fit for the Master's use, to be utilized by Him. The message says it this way. The person who trusts me will not only do what I am doing, but even greater things, because I, on my way to the Father, am giving you the same work to do that I've been doing. You can count on it. From now on, whatever you request along the lines of who I am and what I am doing, I'll do it. That's how the Father will be seen uh, for who he is in the Son. He said, I mean it. Whatever you request in this way, I'll do. So the key is, me getting prepared and getting ready. Amen? You agree with that? Philippians, you can turn here. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. You probably can all quote this. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. I can do. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a can-doer. Look at your other neighbor and say, I'm not a can't-doer. I'm a can-doer. I can do this. With the Lord's help, I can do this. And so can you. Amen? Praise God. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. We've already quoted it. We'll read it to you again. He said, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. He just got through telling us, we are the ones that are supposed to be doing that now. The New Testament church is the one that's supposed to be doing that now. How many of you remember Peter? Peter just walked down a, a road one day and what was happening? His shadow was passing and catching people as he walked by. And the Bible says that everything that the shadow, when it crossed them, his, his, the anointing that was in his life... It, it oozed out from him and his aura, when it touched people, it made them well. Now, it wasn't Peter. It was the one that infused him with the power. It was the greater one on the inside of him. As he went down the road, people were touched because of the presence of of the power of the Lord in his life. Amen? Let's go to the New Testament. Let's see a few things that makes Jesus so uh, fabulous in our relation with him. Let's go to Luke chapter number 7. Luke chapter 7, starting at verse number 11. And we'll read down through 16. It says, And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nan. And many of his disciples went with him. 
and much people. How many of you know that everywhere Jesus went, he always had his own crowd, his own congregation? Everywhere Jesus went. What was it that was, that was so phenomenal about Jesus' life? Number one, he knew who he was. Number two, he knew his father. What caused people to gravitate to Jesus? Well, Jesus said in another portion of Scripture, he says, you follow me because of the miracles I do. Everywhere Jesus went, people were getting healed, delivered, set free from everything that ailed them in their life. So when his name was heard, his fame just began to spread because of the things that transpired and happened in his life because of his personal relationship with the Father. Now I'm saying that over and over because that's the key to what Jesus did. It wasn't just that he got filled with the Holy Ghost. He had a phenomenal relationship with the Father. So much so that he told his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I'm a duplication. I'm Emmanuel, God with you. I'm in the same, when, when you, when you, you can't separate us. You can't separate me. You can't separate me from the Father. And you can't separate me from the Holy Spirit. We're all three. We're one. We're different, but we're one. We function as one. They are the absolutely perfect team. Nothing can penetrate or separate them. There is no strife. There is no confusion. There is no frustration. There is no jealousy. There is none of those things that we find in the body of Christ today. Now, how many of you believe that we can get to that place? We just got an admonition on Sunday night that there is to be no strife, no contention of any kind in the body of Christ. Why? Why is that being requested by the apostle? Because God is coming for a church that is walking in unity with him. That's who he's coming for. He's not coming for division. He's come to do away with division. Our popularity as an individual should mean nothing to us. It's not us that we're being, we're building up. We're building up the kingdom of God. Amen. It shouldn't matter to any of us who takes a position, who gets a place or is elevated to another thing. The Bible says when, when someone is rewarded, we have to rejoice with them. When somebody is hurting them, we're, we're to feel with them. We're to pray with them. We're to, we're to feel their, their, their passion and what's going on in their life. When people are hurting. Pastor and I just did a funeral yesterday and Barbara Vale, those of you that know her, her mother passed away 94 years young. Amen. She had a good life. She was a good example. To hear her family talk about her was, was uh, a breath of fresh air. And I was talking to Barbara and on the phone, and I said, Barbara, your mother is more alive today than she's ever been in her entire life. Now she knows. Now she knows that she's been known. Now she, she can appreciate, fully appreciate everything that Jesus did. But her life exhibited that to her family. And that's the way our life needs to be. That's the reason there can't be any ism or chism. That's the reason we have to stay unified together. We cannot allow the enemy to get one little pinch. The church is getting bigger. Anytime the church gets bigger, you always have the potential for more problems. Because you have people that are at different levels and they think differently. That's the reason we have to be unified. The core of this body has to be unified. So that we are harmonized together where we think is one. 
as he thought. It says, and now when he came nigh unto the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion. He had compassion on her. And he said unto her, weep not. And he came and he touched the briar. And they that bare him stood still. I guess so. Why? Because the young man, and he said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he that was dead, he sat up and he began to speak. That would be a good time to exit left. <laughs> That's not normal. But Jesus did not find it to be a hard thing to do because he had spent time with the Father. And the Father had already told him, you have the spirit of life. You are life. That's what he said. He said, I am life. All he did was touch the briar. Or he touched that which he, the dead man was being carried in on. And the reason he did it was because he had compassion. He knew that she was a widow. And he knew that that was her only son. He had compassion. He got word of knowledge. And he operated in a word of wisdom. And supernatural manifestation of miracles. He just touched the briar. Lay hands on the sick. And they shall recover. Lay hands on the sick. That was the commission that he gave to you in Matthew. Lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. You and I have such an opportunity. How many of you have ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Any of you read any of his materials? Smith Wigglesworth was preaching in one area of England and his wife was preaching somewhere else. He got word that his wife had died. They had taken her home. She had died. The custom of the day was when someone passed away was to take them and put them in their bed at home. And families would come and greet the family, mourn with the family, pray with the family, that sort of thing. Well, Smith came home. When Smith came home, he asked everyone to leave the room. He went into the room with his wife. And of course, just like the young lady uh, that Jairus' daughter, you know, he put everybody out of the room. Except for Peter, James, and John and Jairus and his wife. And he went over and he ministered to the young lady and she came up. Smith goes over to his wife and ministers to her and commands her body or her spirit to come back into her body because he was not ready for her to leave. And guess what happened? What do you think happened? Whatever things that you ask in the name of Jesus, that would I do. How many of you know that God had compassion on Smith? And his wife came back to life. That not just happened one time. That happened with other people as well. 
Another time, he pulled a man out of a casket. They'd ask him to come and pray for him, so he came to pray for him. And he pulled the man out of the casket, pushed him up against the wall. He said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth to walk. And he just slouched to the floor. He picked him back up, pushed him up against the wall. He said, I commanded you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth to walk. He turned around and it followed him. If Smith can do this, you and I can do this. Because God is no respecter of person, but he is a respecter of principle. If you don't know his principle, you don't know how to move in the supernatural, then you have to spend time with the Father and find out what is it that I need to do that I need to believe on the inside of me to be able to get that kind of result in my life. I got to spend a little time with Lester Sumrall. Anybody know who Lester Sumrall is? I was a young pastor. There was about 20 of us pastors together, gathered in the room. And, and uh, I got to spend just a little bit of time with him. And, I, and I, I talked with him concerning the things that he did. How many of you know he had a, a, just a phenomenal way of getting demons out of people's lives? If you didn't know that, I'm telling you that. He was just phenomenal in the way God used him to get demonic activity out of people's lives. And so I was asking him about some of the things that he had done. And I I was really intrigued by the one, the invisible boy. There was an invisible boy. This little boy was, he just lived in a normal household, just like any, anyone else, you know, with his family and everything else. But he would disappear for days, just be gone. His family couldn't find him anywhere. And so they called Smith and asked him if he would come. This is in the Philippine Islands when he was in the Philippines. And they said, would you come? Our son is disappearing and we don't know where he's going and he's not normal when he comes back. And so Smith came over. He prayed, he fasted, and he prayed. And he went to the home. And when he got to the home, uh, the little boy was in his room. So he went into the room and he went in and started talking to the little boy and asking him. He said, well, there's an angel that comes and visits me and takes me on journeys with him, with this angel. And he said, well, it's an angel of light, of darkness. It's not normal. You're not normal. Something's happened to you. You're not the same little boy. Your parents telling me how you used to be. You're not the same. And he said, but I'm really enjoying my visits. He says, did anything negative, bad happen? He said, no, we just go on journeys, really nice places and stuff, and I'm, I'm enjoying the journeys. He said, well, I'm going to pray for you. So he prayed over him. And a couple of days later, the angel comes back. This time... The angel recognizes that there's something different about the boy. He's not the way that he used to be. And so the angel removed his disguise and showed him what he really was. To scare the boy, to bring him into conformity. Well, the boy resisted him and didn't go on the trip, but they called Smith and Smith came back over. And he prayed over him again. This time he took authority over everything that had been in, he had been influenced by this angel of darkness. And I said, well, tell me, what do you mean he disappeared? He said he took him in the spirit world. And I said, well, how could he go in the spirit world when he's not a spirit? He said, that's a good question. He said... He was possessed 
by the spirit of darkness. And he began to take on the character of the angelic being. And they just disappeared. I said, well, but he's flesh and blood. How can he just disappear? He said, I can't answer that question. I don't really know the answer to that question. All I can tell you is that the young man was once bound, but now he's free. We don't have to know everything to believe that God is a deliverer. Just like this young man that was on the briar, Jesus just took care of whatever caused him to die. He took care of that and he got him up, presented him back to his mother. Amen? Uncommon. Can you imagine what everybody was thinking that was around? What would you do? My pastor that I got hooked up with in Houston, he wanted me to to go with him to a house where there had been a lady that had been bound by darkness. And he wanted me just to be with him, just to observe and to see. And uh, he said, I'm going over to, to deliver her. And he said, I'd like for you to go with me. And I said, okay. I had no idea what I was going to be getting into. Absolutely no idea. And so I went with him. We went into this house, and this house was completely dark. They had black cover, coverings all over the windows in the house. And it was totally dark in there. The only thing that they had for light was just a lamp in the room. And so we go into the house, and this this lady is growling and moaning and everything else. And uh, he said, now, he said, Phil, he said, just stay close to me. I said, you're not going to have any problem with that. (laughs) Not at all. I'll be right by your side. He said, just stay close to me. And he said, we're going to deliver this lady. And we don't know what's going to happen with, uh, with her, what's going to happen with her, how she's going to respond, how she's going to react and everything else. But we're going we're gonna to cast the devil out of her. And I said, okay, okay. And so he proceeded to do so, and she started doing exactly that. She started growling and all that stuff, fell on the floor, squirmed like a snake and everything else. And uh, he's taking authority over it and everything else. And in, a, in about uh, four minutes... Uh, she just was like one dead on the floor. And the last thing that the pastor said, he said, now, I command this demonic force to loosen your body and to let you go forever and return back to the place of darkness from which you came. And he did it with a real strong, firm voice. I'm standing right next to him. And I'm saying, amen. I said, amen. And when that happened, as God is my witness, the demonic force came right by me. I could feel it. It came right by me went to the door, opened the door. I saw the door open and shut the door on the way out. He turned to me. He says, Phil, God doesn't give you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. I said, I got to be real honest with you, Pastor. I've never seen anything like this before in my life. He said, this is normal. In the true Christian world. He says you shall cast out devils. He said I wanted you to be here tonight. So that you would witness. firsthand how this is done. But you got to spend time. With the Lord. 
And some require fasting and prayer. He said, this one required fasting and prayer. I said, but I hadn't been fasting and praying. He said, but I had. He said, but I wanted you to witness. I wanted you to see how the demons and the devils will respond. If they sense any fear whatsoever, they will try to activate. And that's what he did. He scared you, didn't he? I said, yes, he did. He said, now, we can learn from this. You've got to spend time with the Father. It's not too hard for you. Some of you are looking at me like, not me, man. I don't have that, I don't have that ministry. I'm not call- yes, you are. You're called to that ministry. You'll lay hands on the sick and you'll cast out devils. Yes, you do have that ministry. It's the normal for the Christian's life. Well, not me, man. Yes, you. God is calling for you. There's nothing to be afraid of. If you dare to spend time with the Lord who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed to the devil because God was with him. He's called you to do the same and he's called me to do the same thing. Let's go to one other one. You want to go to one more? Mark's gospel chapter five. You're familiar with this starting at verse number 25. Are you getting anything out of this? Do you you understand? This is not church as normal. Cannot be church as normal anymore. This has to be a church that's prepared and ready to deal and to handle whatever needs to, to, that comes our way that we can take care of it. Whether it's sick, whether it's lost, whether it's bound, whether it's possessed, we come to set the captives free. And don't be ashamed about it. We're a church that's a powerhouse. You're a powerhouse. You're just waiting to explode with the presence and the things of God. Mark's gospel. You there? He said, And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years, had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather she grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. Let's stop there just a moment. She heard about Jesus. It's obvious that she's a, she's a Jewish person. She has a covenant with God already. She has an old covenant has provision for healing. She went to every physician she could go to. And now how many of you believe that the physicians wanted to help her in every way they possibly could? I don't think there's physicians today that are just uh, there just doing their thing just to, for the sake of doing it. Maybe they are, but I believe most of them want to help people. And there's nothing wrong with physicians. How many of you know they wouldn't have the knowledge they had if it wasn't for the Lord anyway? All knowledge comes from the Lord. So they have the knowledge that they have to assist and to help others to get set free. So she went the natural route, hoping that she would get set free from the problem that she had. But she didn't. She got worse, didn't she? She got worse. But she heard about Jesus, or she heard that he was coming nearby. And it says, For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her youth was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, he turned him about in the press, and he said, Who touched my clothes? Everybody that could get close to him. Everybody was touching his clothes, but not everybody was getting healed. But this woman, she violated the law of the day because of the nature of her sickness and disease. She was supposed to stay within a hundred paces from any crowd of people and declare herself to be unclean. But that's not what she did. She put her life on the line because the penalty for that was death. For violation, they would take you outside the city gates and stone you to death. That was the penalty. 
So she made a decision within herself. She heard about Jesus. She had obviously already heard that Jesus was a miracle worker. Or why would she go through a press and put her life on the line? She had heard all the necessary things, just like they're going to start hearing about you. They're going to start hearing about heritage of faith, that you go to that church, you get saved, you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you get set free from every form of sickness and disease, you come in sick and you go out well. And they're going to hear about that because of what you're doing. Because they're going to ask you, where do you go to church? You start having things like that happen in your life, they're going to ask you, where do you go to church? You're going to say heritage of faith, right? I go to heritage of faith. Can I go with you? Say, yeah. Sure you can. We'll even come pick you up and bring you to church. How do you think the church is going to grow? It's because of the things that we're doing that Jesus told us to do. Well, she heard about Jesus. He said, who touched me? Well, everybody around him touched him. Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, He said, Daughter, he said, Thy faith hath made thee whole. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. What made her whole? Her faith made her whole because she stepped out in faith, just like you're going to have to step out in faith, and I'm going to have to step out in faith and lay hands on the sick to see them recover. That's what he said to do. He said, do what? He said, lay hands on the sick. I know it's a wonderful thing to pass by and just say, Lord, bless that poor lady in that wheelchair. Bless her, Lord. That's, that's honorable. That's wonderful. But that's not what he said to do. See, he's no respecter of persons, but he's a respecter of principle. His principle is his word. What did he say to do? He said, lay Hands. You don't have to say a prayer. You can just say, how are you feeling? You're going to feel better today. After today, you're going to feel better. You, 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 don't, you don't have to try to be spiritual. Just do what he says. Do the uncommon thing. Well, we live in a society today, it doesn't make any difference. He wrote it for every society that we live in. I'm telling you, they have the food bank here and they ask people all the time, can we pray for you? Are you born again? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you? Yes, I do know him. Have you received the Holy Spirit into your life? No, I don't know anything about a Holy Spirit. Well, let us pray with you. They're laying hands on the sick and they're getting reports back that people are recovering. Listen, the reputation of the church based upon the principles that Jesus has told us to do will spread like wildfire because we're living in a, in a world that is full of confusion, frustration, heartache, heartbreak, just like we heard just a little while ago about this young man. Thank God for God and spared his life. Amen. Thank God for that. No question in my mind that somewhere along the line, somebody's been praying for him, believing for supernatural uh, protection and everything else. And that's probably the reason he's alive today. Don't know that to be a fact, but let's, let's just believe that that is so. So this woman 
did something, put her life on the line just so she could get what Jesus had. And when she touched him, the reverse happened this time. She touched him and he said, virtue left my body. That's how I know somebody touched me. I'm not asking just for those that touched me. I'm talking about the one that virtue came out of me and touched my body. She was made whole. That's living an uncommon life. We as a church, we have to unify. We have to magnify and glorify the master. There's, how many of you know, we create the atmosphere that becomes conducive for the Holy Spirit to move in our midst. We praise Him. We magnify. We set up, we set up an atmosphere. Then we shift in from praise into worship. We start worshiping the Lord, telling Him how much we love Him, not how much He loves us. He does love us, but He wants to hear that, that we love Him. And then we, we shift into our third phase, which is the highest degree of worship, which is adoration. Adoration, lots of time, can't stand on its feet. It has to fall prostrate. That's the reason you see around the throne that it's not just worship, it's adoration. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. There is nothing that can stand that is in darkness when light occupies the room. His light that's shining through you, the glory of the Lord. You don't even have to have a hand laid on you. You can get it right where you're seated. But you got to be a willing vessel. Amen. Praise God. Stand to your feet. Praise God. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands to heaven. Just start worshiping the Lord in tongues. Just, mag- just magnify Him. Vele gibida salate de kupotoya. Kosholo komba, fana tenki. Vende kibadanda veko soloto. Building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost according to Jude 20. Vomba kejele kibanana deveka salatatata bataya. Go kovratatata. De meneki salata mokovrete de bekai. Shelegadai sototomba katai. May zele kutobaya. Debi dingo tzod barate beleka sala de badoya. Vorotama. Now I want you to put your hand on the one that's closest to you. I want you to put your hand on them. Just continue to pray in tongues. Vorote ni bidingaya. Vombeki divalatoto selegi ba shiki banando vodoya. Vaye shiki oso ombrata vata vigi badai. Vondorota biliki jambana nanaiki shili balai. Vorotodovaya. Dombriti. Lord, we command every, every sickness, we command every disease, we command any oppression, suppression, depression, we command it to be loosed in Jesus' name. We command every, every form of disease. In the name of Jesus, 
We command bodies to be set free in Jesus' name. We give you praise for it. We give you honor. We give you the glory for it in Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Be thou set free in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Say, I receive that. I receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a good hand.